0: everyone to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan and we've got more NFL news and how it relates to the Chiefs and a lot of fun discussion coming your way. So let's not delay. Let's go ahead and introduce the guys. He is ready to spend the whole show talking about why Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the Chiefs' next backup quarterback. Sam Blackett is with us. What's going on, man?
1: Oh, we already covered that. That was... Uh, Andy Reid's master plan from the very beginning just had to wait it was just a waiting game
0: much like Ryan Fitzpatrick he is always waiting in the wings ready to be called upon Jacob Allen is here how are you doing dude ready and willing as always dynamite drop in Jacob and I am Sean Deegan and much like Ryan Fitzpatrick I am a perfect example of why all men should grow beards
1: Let's be honest, Sean, none of us can grow a beard like Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: No, no. <laughs> he, much much like his magic, his, his, beard, his beard is no exception from that. It is a part of his magic. He is elite at, at many things, and beard growing is included, for sure. So if you couldn't tell again from the intro, we're still a two-man podcast this week. Uh, Jacob and uh, Alyssa and baby JJ are on the road for family events and a mini, kind of a mini vacation. So he is still on the road as announced, but he was is hoping to be back next week. Uh, so again, probably going to be a bit of a shorter podcast, but still some fun things and to discuss and uh, how kind of they affect the Chiefs. A couple of quick news things to knock out here at the top for, from the NFL. Going to start off with some happy stuff. Uh, a bittersweet moment, I guess I probably should say, in that uh, former Chiefs defensive coordinator and former head coach, Romeo Cornell is calling it a career after 50 years of coaching in the NFL. 50 years. That is bananas of being just really good at what he did, especially specifically as a defensive coordinator. Uh, had a couple of stints as a head coach, but both situations were kind of not set up for him to succeed, but has, has engineered some of the better defenses the NFL has ever seen. Uh, Sam, I'm going give you the floor here to, to give your thoughts on Romeo Cornell calling it a career after 50 years of coaching football.
1: Another one that uh, kind of a seeing an end of an era of a lot of these coaches over the past, uh, you say era, but, you know, last five, six plus years where guys that, yeah, Cornell never had the success as a head coach. I think that he his his legacy is probably damaged by his his stints as head coaches i should say that because i think he probably has looked a lot lower upon by people who don't understand what he does as a defensive coordinator but yeah i mean obviously it was with the chiefs for a relatively short stint what from i used 2010 to 2012 so only a couple of years there um defensive coordinator in 2010 11 and then uh the interim head coach uh, after the uh so that the failed Todd Haley experiment. Am I correct? i thinking, yeah, that's I'm pretty sure it's a failed Todd Haley experiment there. Yeah, he,
0: got, then, he got Kane, uh, Haley got Kane, and Cornell took over and immediately put Kyle Orton in the starting role it. ahead of Tyler. Thompson. Kyle
1: Orton had to rely on Kyle Orton. Uh, but no, I mean, uh, tremendous coach. The fact that you talk about a guy that's 74 years old and has spent 50 years in the NFL, I mean, just. Amazing, that's longevity and, and kind of speaks to what kind of quality of coach he is. So, I guess congratulations to a, a kind of almost, not chief adjacent, but a, a one-time short-term chief and uh, obviously a great coach, so.
0: My my thoughts about Cornell, mirror your own, my favorite moments from or was was just the, the constant screaming from Chiefs fans when Haley was the head coach, it's why aren't you starting Kyle Orton? Why aren't you starting Kyle Orton? Uh, this makes too much sense, which tells you a lot about the Chiefs quarterback situation when they were clamoring for Kyle Orton to start. And the first day, Romeo Cornell's first press conference as the interim head coach uh, said, we're going to start Kyle Orton because we like him. And that was all that was said about it because it just made sense. And I feel like that was kind of what Romeo Cornell did a lot of times. Like, I'm going to do this because it just makes sense. Also, just his – his, his outstanding ability to get the best of top-end quarterbacks, like all his time as a D.C. in New England, going up head-to-head oftentimes in the playoffs against Peyton Manning. Also, in that same season, his first year as an interim uh, head coach, knocking off an undefeated Packers team uh, in the last game of the season to stop them from going undefeated is just a fantastic moment in Chiefs history, even amidst just an awful year. Um, it was a really bright moment, and I, I hope put a feather in his cap as just an, an incredible accomplishment to pull that off. He's, he's done a lot of good things for the Chiefs, so uh, hats off to him. He's earned a, a long and happy retirement. All right, we're going to address something that is not so happy right now. Uh, just, again, another news story that came out in, uh, from the NFL Uh, Former Dallas Cowboys running back Marion Barber, uh, this was back on the 2nd of June, was found uh, dead in his apartment uh, by Frisco police. Uh, This is according to the Fort Worth Um, Star-Telegram. They were responding to a welfare check at uh, Marion Barber's apartment because he had uh, called about a water leak uh, coming from his apartment. Um, Police were not able to get a response from him, so they forced their way in and they found him dead in his apartment. Barber was only 38 years old. Um, he was going to turn 39, uh, on the 10th. So, um, this coming Friday, he would have been 39 years old in our age range, man. And I got to tell you, like, we've had a lot of this stuff from the NFL, you know, and it's kind of the, the place we've gone to escape, but lately there's just been, it seems like a lot of, former or even current NFL athletes with the passing of Jeff Gladney in a, in a car accident. We had the uh, Henry Ruggs uh, tragedy where he, his actions cost a woman her life um, and he's going to prison. There's a lot of this kind of thing happening um, where men too young and are, are making, either making decisions or in Marion Barber's case, just passing away. We don't know what happened they just found him dead in his apartment. I haven't seen a cause of death as of yet. Just another tragedy from the NFL with these younger, younger men—people who are much younger than us or around our age. Um, want to give you a chance to address the passing of, of Marion Barber.
1: Marion Barber falls within, before uh, kind of getting into obviously uh, tragic, tragic aspect of his passing. Um, a lot of younger fans or people that again started following the NFL relatively recently probably don't even know who he is um but he he was for people who watched the NFL in the kind of mid-2000s Marion Barber fell within that ranks of running backs that there was a span there that you were just like man he's really good and and it didn't last very long like he he was kind of a a short stint guy kind of got got the moniker Marion the Barbarian and was always compared to Steven Jackson and he he kind of fell within that Steven Jackson and just uh, I'm trying to think of all the all the guys, Fred Jackson or Fred Taylor, and and all those guys that that were just solid running backs for a long period. But just kind of it was it was a position that was kind of failing, and I think that was the group that did it. But Marion Barber, I mean, like I, like I said, kind of get into the tragedy of his passing. it, it is sad to see a, a someone that is close to our age range passing away, and um, obviously we've we heard. I don't know the circumstances around his passing, but uh, seeing his family is, isn't going to donate his brain to, to CTE, um, research, which is fully understandable. I mean, I'm not, it would never pressure, but obviously there's, there's strong case that a, a pounding running back like him likely suffered from something of that nature. And, um, I, again, I, it's all, I didn't read super deep into it, obviously I didn't go into it, but, um, had read some accounts of he had been suffering with some, with some mental problem, mental illness problems or, or something that had been, kind of affecting him over long term and it's one of those situations where you know as as someone looking on the outside and and kind of with people that that are dealing with that kind of stuff it's because again we don't know the circumstances of his passing but just um in situations like that it's always better to reach out for help than than do anything negative because if if that's the situation that that occurred which again we're still learning facts about it but uh obviously kind of as, as we've said you it's hard for us being outside viewers looking in but you can only say thoughts to his family and and friends and and obviously hopefully they can kind of mourn his passing and understand and just it's it's there's really never a good good way of of phrasing someone passing at that such such a young age
0: yeah agreed i think you said it well it's it's just there's no there aren't any real words of comfort for for anybody who you feel like has gone before their time. And to your point, like, Marion Barber was a tremendous athlete. He, he is one of the first running backs I, I remember thinking he would be better served if he got more touches because uh, he was in that backfield. I had to go back and look this up. So, I was like, here's another running back, and it was Julius Jones. And they were, they were splitting touches, not exactly evenly, but Julius got a lot of touches for, for a number two back. So he was one of those guys, like, to your point, like he, you put him up against those other names, um, Stephen Jackson's. Fred Taylor is obviously one that lasted <laughs> longer and has somehow managed to keep his career going for a long time, even amongst the battering. But he was – Marion Barr was one of those guys, like, man, if he got more touches, he would be an even bigger stud than he already was because he was just such a bruising back. And it, it's always sad when when – anyone passes away before their time but especially like now i think for you and i we're getting into our 30s that that doesn't that's not as far away as maybe when we were in our late teens early 20s looking at this these guys you know if something tragic did happen like this this feels a lot closer to home so thoughts and go out to his family and hopefully they they are able to take solace in, in the the joy that he brought to so many people on the football field No real good way to pivot off this stuff like that uh, because it is such a a heartbreaking thing to have to to address, but we are going to soldier on and talk about one more thing uh, that happened in the NFL that is football related and go into kind of how this affects the Chiefs going forward, and that is that Aaron Donald set... Records upon records upon records for how much money he's about to make for a defensive player, specifically for an interior defensive lineman. And the Rams and Aaron Donald agreed to a new contract, not technically an extension is my understanding of this. They reworked his contract. This is off of Felicia report to where he will now make $95 million dollars through 2024 represents a $40 million raise over what he would have earned over the next three seasons, and it makes him the highest paid non-quarterback football player in NFL history. It's so much money. And on Over the Cap, if you want to go look up the exact numbers, um, contract value now, like I said, $95 million comes out to about $31.6 million per year. It will be impossible to cut him for the next couple of years. Um, there was a lot of discussion about him retiring if he didn't get a new contract, and he would have been fine with that. guess it worked, because man's rolling in dough. Sam, when you heard the numbers for the contract come down and you heard that it was official, what was your reaction to Donald getting the, the reworked uh, contract that he received from the Rams?
1: Yeah, a lot of money. Um, okay. I think one of my favorite reactions and just kind of looking at it was Trent Williams um, saying, yeah, I wish he would have retired, but uh, he's (laughs) well-deserved. It's like, but uh, no, it's, it's a, it's just a astonishing deal, honestly. And, and I think my reaction was kind of twofold was number one, it makes sense strangely for him, but number two, it, Counteracts what I've been saying kind of all off seasons this year and leading up to it was usually I would say, oh, and every time you get a new contract, it resets the market. This one's not resetting no market. There is not another defensive tackle as we'll talk about that is ever getting money like this. Not in the near future, not ever. Because it's, I mean, bonkers how much money Aaron Donald is making as a defensive tackle.
0: Yeah, that was one thing I, I kind of put on the rundown just as a talking point. And I agree with you though, it's like man 30 almost 32 million dollars like for for any defensive player is an incredible amount of money when you think about like guys that you would put that on it's like your number one corners so like your your Jalen ramsey types cornerbacks such a volatile position at times just because of year to year that jump ball that 50 50 ball might not go your way that year and all of a sudden your stats don't look nearly as good so it's it's hard for corners to to kind of solidify the market like uh, oh gosh corner from new england who signed with the chargers uh he got oh god oh jc jackson there it is yeah. uh got like 16 and change uh 16 and change million per year not just 16 and change but 16 in change per year and he's going he was considered definitively number one corner on the market and and a, a turnover uh creating corner that it, and that's not necessarily the thing you see the most often anymore. To have a guy earn this money, and you and my reaction was similar to yours, where it's yeah, it makes sense. Like, I get it, I'm not surprised by it, but still go, God, it's a lot of money. I just don't think anybody's going to make that kind of cash at defense on defense at least for a couple more years. Maybe we'll start to see it here, you know, maybe a couple years down the road, but. For me, he's just such a once-in-a-generation player. I don't know that you can call this a market-setting deal.
1: To give people general perspective, the next closest to him is T.J. Watt, and he's making $28 million a year. So still a ridiculous amount of money, but he's making significantly less money as a defensive tackle than yeah. one of the premier outside linebacker Russians in the NL. So, like, it, it just – it it's a pretty ridiculous, like, just what he – what they were willing to fork out for him.
0: And when you think about, like, how he's earned it being double teamed, constantly being a focus, regardless of who's been around him, and he's been a part of some solid defenses with some some high-end performers, but everything he's done back when the Rams were in St. Louis to now, he's – well-deserved contract now this does affect a certain member of the chiefs roster and that is chris jones because chris jones i think for for a long time really like since bob sutton and chris jones 15 and a half sack season i think it was largely discussed since then that chris jones was probably the second best interior defensive lineman in the nfl and it's not as close as you might think when you're comparing other players in that route. Like you might be able to say Justin Jefferson is the second best wide receiver in the NFL behind Devontae Adams. And that gap is, I just use those two names as examples, but that gap is much closer, I think, than anybody is to Aaron Donald. I think that is a much wider chasm to try and bridge when you're talking about who's after Donald in terms of interior defensive linemen. I had kind of thought this a little bit, and I think I even said it on the podcast um, that we did once we were all back together and got a chance to address the Tyree kill trade, but I thought it at the time that I think this is probably Chris Jones' last year with the Chiefs just because of his contract. He, he's making a lot – Chris Jones made a lot of money for an interior defensive lineman, but he's making 20 per year. That's a lot of money for a defensive tackle. And had 37 and a half of that, 37.6 to be exact guaranteed of that. This year is the last year the Chiefs would lose money by trying to move on from Chris Jones. Knowing that he the gap is not that close, knowing that Chris Jones is going to be 29 years old, uh, or this is going to be his 28 year old season, and he'll be 29 in 2023. What do you think, Sam? Is this Chris Jones' last year with the Chiefs, knowing how they've handled? The Tyree kill situation and everything I just said about his age and contract.
1: Yeah, I, I, I believe it is. Like I said, kind of my viewpoint on what the Chiefs or the Chiefs are going, like the direction that Veach is taking this team is youth. Um, I think he's valuing that. I think he's learning that the value of youth is outside of a few key positions that we've talked about, is a lot greater than having one incredible star player on your roster. And let's be honest, like, I think. I've at one time, I think at one time I said that it was Aaron Donald 1A, Chris Jones 1B. It, it's not even really that close. Um, Chris Jones can do things no other defensive tackle can do. And he does them about three times a season, it seems like. He his issue, like we see those sparks, and, and we've talked about he can take over games like Aaron Donald can. He just doesn't in the key moments of games. And that's the biggest issue. And that's why I think that they – I doubt Beach will look at him and be like, listen, we're not going to pay you Aaron Donald money because you're not Aaron Donald. And he, he'll end up getting paid, there's no doubt. Chris Jones is still a phenomenal player. He is in, within that kind of – or Aaron Donald is god tier, he's kind of – he's right – not right him, but he's with the the uh, DeForest Buckners and, and all of those guys that play within that kind of role – but he's just not – I don't think he's within the the plans of what the Chiefs are moving to in the future of, of youth and and keeping that contract, being able to sign more, maybe not elite-tier players, but high-quality veterans to fill gaps and, and be able to keep your young, your youth players, your young players, for that second contract and then move on past them. Because I think that's what we'll see end up seeing happening is very – I doubt very few players make it – to a third contract on the Chiefs moving forward. I imagine it's going to be rookie contract, give them the extension, one one extension, and then they'll probably move on from from this point forward, or at least that's, in my view, what I think they're doing.
0: It certainly seems that way. And he, and they, I mean, they were willing to do a deal with Tyree Kill. They wanted him back, but it had to be on their terms. And when, it, when the Devontae Adams deal blew things up, and they made the call. It's like, all right, well, it's time to move on. Let's, they, they made a hard decision. And one that I think fans were, I know I struggled with initially for sure. And now we're talking about the draft class being an absolute home run, at least on paper. We'll see how it actually plays out. Is there a deal to be had that you would feel comfortable bringing Chris Jones back on? Because I don't think you can bring him back at 20 per year on like another three-year deal, I think at most you'd be talking about two-year extension, where you rework the contracts of his age 29 season, to where your cap hit is much less. Year two is year two of the new de- uh, year one of the new deal is is yeah. one where you pay up a lot comparatively. And then you're out again at year three. I think that's kind of the the general idea for me of what I'd feel comfortable with. And I, if you're going to do 20 million per year, a lot of that can't be guaranteed. Like it, it kind of has to be kind of Vaughn Miller has dummy years at the end where you can get out from it whenever you, whenever you need. What about you? Is there a structure or a number that you would feel like average per year guaranteed money that you'd feel comfortable them bringing Chris Jones back? Or is it time to just cut... Cut loose and, and move on.
1: No, I, I think there, there's always a number. At the end of the day, there was always a number that you were comfortable bringing a player back. It's a matter of can you convince a player? And again, these guys have every right to think very highly of themselves. They are some of the best athletes in the world and the best at what they do on a day or in their in their profession. But it's a matter of you know what what are you willing to sacrifice? And I think the, the player that we can look at on the Chiefs roster and say, are we comfortable with Chris Jones making that money is, is Frank Clark? Because Frank Clark is at $15 million a year right now. And obviously his contracts swayed. Sean's better at the contract stuff than I am. I'm just doing a quick Google search. But with Frank Clark at $15 million a year, that deal would have seemed great if we still had the Frank Clark we traded for, if it was still the – the, the elite pass rusher, but he's not. And that's the worry you have when you have an aging defensive lineman. Because again, not every defensive lineman can can be a Fret- Fletcher Cox who just continues to play or a or Calais Campbell who just does every. I mean, these guys that, that play for a long, long time, Cam Hayward, another one, not everyone's going to do that. Most of them do start to deteriorate. Because again, as we talked about with offensive line last, I think last week is. The defensive line position is a very physical position. So it's probably the second most behind offensive line of just brute beating and, and defensive tackle is probably the worst because you're getting double teamed every play. So that deterioration has to play a, f- a factor in a 29-year-old defensive tackle. Now again, Chris Jones is very good. And I, I'm wavering on the I was trying to find like what JJ Watt's making right now or like JJ Watt and I know Cam Hayward's like 16 million a year. Um, and I, and it, it, I think with me, if you can bring a Chris Jones back for, like you said, a contract where you can get out from under it after a couple of years, you're not paying the price to, of cutting it shorter at 15 to $16 million a year. I'm also relatively comfortable with that. Um, when you're breaching up to what he's making now, 20, 18 to $20 million a year, that's where I'm not as interested in bringing Chris Jones back just because I think, with the predict productivity Chris Jones brings, yes, he's an excellent player and he does things that other players can't, but it's at such an inconsistent rate that we've seen recently and it's not happening in the moments we need it to happen. It's just not worth paying him as an elite player. Um, even though he has the elite skill set, he doesn't perform at an elite level, if that kind of makes sense what I'm trying to get at. he He's not the 15-sack guy that he was in Bob the, the – uh, just kind of threw up my mouth, almost trying thing. to say Bob Sutton. <laughs> yeah, like it just—it was just like it. it. <laughs> um, like, whatever reason Bob Sutton was able to get Chris Jones to fifteen sacks, um, maybe it's because they just uh, actually—I have, I have no idea how that worked. But um, well,
0: I have a thought on that. I mean, part of the part of the problem with Chris Jones' situation is that he doesn't—he hasn't really had outside of that season a group around him that could create pressure because that's, I mean, we've talked about it even amidst a defense that had just especially towards the end in 2018 was really bad. They had guys that could get after the pass rusher, like Justin Houston and Tom Mahali could still get after the pass, get after the passer. D Ford could still get after the passer. And so they had other guys to account for that the offenses had to account for. And so Chris Jones like, got more one-on-one opportunities which he doesn't really get much anymore. anymore, to be fair. And Aaron Donald has has still had guys around him at times that take attention. Like, you have to account for them. He still gets double-teamed, though. He's still the guy. And I think that maybe that's been part of the problem, is that Chris Jones isn't just the guy now. He's the only guy. He's been the only guy for a while, which isn't fair to him necessarily, but that's just kind of how it's been. Uh, to answer your question on uh, JJ Watt, he's making fourteen uh, per year, um, and the total value of the contract was twenty-eight million. Twenty of that is fully guaranteed. Cam Hayward, with the Steelers, uh, had a sixty-five point six million dollar contract. Good lord, and he's thirty-three uh, at sixteen point four per year. Twenty point two five of that is guaranteed. Um, he's not actually a free agent until twenty twenty-five if that contract runs out, but I'm sure there's – I'm not looking at the exact details, but I'm sure there's an out somewhere where they can eat some dead money. I, I would love to say, like, Chris Jones is going to be a Chief for life. That's kind of how I felt about Tyreek Hill. Love for him to finish his career with the Chiefs. is they're great players. Like, they are elite players. Like, I know, like, like we said, you said, like, Aaron Donald's, like, God level. Like, Aaron Donald is Zeus, and Chris Jones is Hercules. Like you're talking about a demigod. Like he's still better than everybody else. It's still so much better than everybody else. It's just for what the Chiefs are going to need at the time that he becomes able to. They are able to bond from him, where he becomes cuttable or tradable. What what is a better value? Is it having Chris Jones on a restructured deal that's still going to pay him a lot of money, and you're putting all your your resources into that, or is it again? You, you brought up money ball and we've kind of been riding this money ball wave. Is it trying to recreate him in the aggregate the way they're going to try with uh, Tyreek Hill's production? You can't recreate that player, but maybe you can recreate the production from multiple sources. And if you can do that, like, you know, if Karloftis ends up being really good and you're able to trade Chris Jones for, you know, we'll talk about this here in just a minute, but for assets or another younger player or something like that. And, all of a sudden you have multiple players that are cheaper and then you can go sign a veteran who can add to your pass rush, maybe not to the Chris Jones level, but maybe 80% of Chris Jones, 85% of Chris Jones at 50% of the cost. All of a sudden your, your defense maybe as a whole is better. All right. And last piece of this Chris Jones discussion that we wanted to make sure that we got to is if they don't get to that agreement, let's say they try because I'm sure they will try. You don't just let an elite player get away. You always go to the table and ask, you know, what, what are we looking at for as far as a contract? But if they can't get it done, what kind of compensation are we looking at? And just before we dive in, Sam, I wanted to give us a little bit of a set of parameters uh, just to give you some examples. Like, is there some, an offer here that you would feel good about? So I pulled some three Chiefs deals and one deal for that is the same position as Chris Jones, just to get an idea. So the first one I pulled was the the Colts trading Ford uh, or trading to Forrest Buckner, who um, was 26 years old at the time. Um, Colts got the 13th pick in the draft um, for uh, in 2020 at the time. So that's that's another player, again, different age, prime of his career at 26, getting dealt for a top 15 pick in the first round. Next couple here are Chiefs-related. The first one was Marcus Peters, a guy, again, in his prime, but had obvious off-the-field concerns, problems with coaches, etc. Marcus Peters and the Chiefs' sixth-round pick went to the Rams. Chiefs got a 2019 second-round pick, which turned into Juan Thornhill, and a fourth-round pick in 2018 that turned into Armani Watts. The D4 trade is one I know it's all near and dear to our hearts. D4 at the time was 27, so a little closer to Chris Jones in terms of age. Um, obviously had a long injury history and took and really didn't do it until the year before they traded him. Uh, but the Chiefs uh, tr- got a 2020 second-round pick, which turned into Willie Gay Jr. Uh, the biggest trade I could find for the Chiefs on defense was obviously the Jared Allen deal. Um, who was traded at 26 years old after a career season um, to the Minnesota Vikings. The Chiefs got the 17th pick in the first round and 73rd and 82 um, in the third round. Both of those picks and then the team swapped their sixth round picks. Wide range. A lot of this is kind of age dependent. And so obviously this isn't going to be an exact, but it kind of gave me some parameters and an idea of what maybe you can expect. What kind of haul, after seeing a Tyreek Hill trade and then these trades for defense, would you want for Chris Jones versus maybe what we can expect for Chris Jones?
1: Yeah, I would, I would love the first pick for the next three years. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't think you will, again, looking looking at this, I want to take an approach of, not a cheese fan. As someone who's looking at it logically, under generally understanding football, not nearly the contract wises that you do, but just looking at it, the understanding that you know what is Chris Jones' market. Because I think one of the questions we didn't want to dive too deep to steal all of Jacob's thunder, even though he's the one that uh, decided he couldn't make it tonight. I mean, vacation was that important that he just couldn't couldn't join two guys talking about football on podcast had to spend time with his family. Who does that? Clearly no, not me. Like... My
0: wife's alone in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> the, the
1: market for Aaron Aaron Donald would be stupid, to be completely honest. Like, you would have every team doing everything they could to get Aaron Donald on our team. That's not going to happen with Chris Jones. There will be teams that go after him. Lo- lots of teams will likely go after him if, if you're looking for a trade, but it's not going to be – Oh, we have to get this guy. This guy changes our franchise. So I think for me, what I'd be happy with is, is the Marcus Peters draft or Hall, because he was second, fourth, right. Is what we got from Marcus Peters. Correct. Is what you said? I think a second and a fourth for Chris Jones at 29 years old is a pretty good deal. Yes. I would love to get a first mid-level first to, to low first would be, would be great. But I think, I think you'd probably see him going to a, a lesser team, to be honest. There's a lot of, like the thing with with what Chris Jones's positions, and I, this is the thing I think as, as fans we have to think about is having a pass rushing defensive tackle is a luxury in the NFL. It's not a necessity. You not very few NFL teams have a legitimate pass rushing defensive tackle, and they do pretty well. let's be honest. It's not not something you see very often. So, it's, a, it's kind of a luxury position to have an elite defensive tackle. And if with a lot of these really good teams, the way we've seen it, seen it is yeah, they're spending lots of money, but I don't think they'll have a lot of the money to spend on Chris Jones. So, you're probably looking at a mid-round, mid-level team trying to improve their team, or even a lower-level team trying to improve their team. So, I like a, a high second or low first and then a later round fourth or fifth round draft pick, I'd be perfectly comfortable with because I think he's still a very productive player. Unlike Marcus Peters, who like Marcus Peters is still in the prime of his career. Chris Jones is not in the prime. He's not in the end of his career in any sense, but he's, he's, he's in the twilight of his career where I think he he may have five really good years left potentially. I mean, I could give him five really good years in 34 years old as a defensive tackle, but that, that's a long stint, like five years would be a long stint for it to even tackle to be elite as we think of Chris Jones. But he doesn't have the problems Marcus Peters has. You, you don't have the problems of, of the coaching issues. So you're getting a guy you can plug and play, which at his caliber, yeah, I, I would want to see a second. Um, per, I think second and fourth would be my ideal. This is good compensation and what I think is feasible compensation for Chris Jones. Yes, I would like to see a first. I doubt with his age, you'd be able to wiggle it out of it. It's kind of like if this was two years ago; he's 27. You're getting a first all day, all day. 27 years old, first round pick. But I think 29 is that right at that age where, like I said, you could see him getting five more years. You could also see him getting two more years, and that's the risk that NFL teams are going to have trading for Chris Jones. Now that again, it's it's a we're becoming a weird NFL where. We say 31 years old defense tackle 10 years ago, that was the end of their career. They would never play again. Now it's like, oh, they, yeah, they just signed a six year deal and they're good to go. Like, so it, it is weird, but I, I think, yeah, it's my answer. Second and fourth be would be my kind of prime spot for him.
0: He's, if I was going to use a fantasy football comparison, he's the guy that is absolutely in like a dynasty format because you can use picks there. Um, in dynasty fantasy football, he's worth a first round pick, but no one's going to give up a first round pick. Like he's the guy on your team. If he's on your team, you're asking for a first. And he's the guy. On, if he's on another team, you're offering a second. And it's not fair to Chris Jones because his production value is absolutely worth the first. He just happens to play a position that doesn't have the same value as edge rusher, corner, wide receiver. It's a devalued position in the NFL. Whether fair or not, it is. I I thought it was interesting that you said the second and fourth, because that was a knee-jerk reaction I had. I was like, if they can get that for a 29-year-old Chris Jones, I think that would be fair. I think the way you creep into the first is if you find a team who has pick 28, 29, 30, and just needs that one piece to slot into their team and finish their defense, that's where you get a first-round pick. And And, again, I think that's a long shot. I don't know that that would happen but I think it would have to be a contending team who thinks they're a defensive tackle away, probably an NFC team, because you're probably not going to see it go to the AFC, although it seems like that's becoming less and less of an issue. But for me, that's, that's where I'm at too. I think I, I would ask for a first if they countered with a second and a fourth, I I'd, I'd ask for a second and a third, and then probably take a second and the fourth. If they said, no, this is our best. I'd be like, okay, that's fair. Again, it kind of depends on where the second-round pick is, where the fourth-round pick is in terms of where they fall in the draft. But to me, I thought that was the most realistic option. Whether I love it or not, that to me, I'm with you, that is the most realistic option, especially when you start looking at the ages of the guys who got major compensation back for their services. DeForest Buckner was 26 Uh, 26 years old jaron allen's 26 years old d ford only got a second after a nine sack season because he only done it once but he was 27 years old uh marcus peters with all of the baggage still was able to get those picks because he was 26 years old for me that's that's the realistic option chiefs fans are going to hate it i'm sure i will have a knee-jerk reaction of god i hate this so much and then i'll come back to it and be like that's fair
1: see and and I get what you're saying, knee-jerk reaction. But my thing with, with Chris Jones, and this is – I guess my my question that will come back to you is, if you trade Chris Jones, not even saying we draft somebody, how much does it affect our team? And that, that's, that's an honest question. And I want you to think back on on this last year because I can't – I can think of very few moments where Chris Jones did what we thought he could do. Because I think every game – like, I I remember multiple times us talking about what's the key to this game, and we kept saying, oh, Chris Jones has to control the line. Chris Jones has to control the line. We kept saying that, and I don't really remember it happening very frequently. Like, the knee-jerk reaction to Tyree Kill is because Tyree Kill changes a game so much that that's like – and it's an emotional player as well. Like, I think there's an aspect of Tyree Kill that – drew the fans a lot more than probably Chris Jones just because his defense tackle does not do what wide receivers do. But, but in reality, a, a wide receiver like Tyree kill, he is a once in a lifetime type player. That's not really what Chris Jones is. Chris Jones is a, is a, a player you don't see come around very often, but there's other, there's other defensive tackles that have done what Chris Jones do. And there's many that do it much better than him that we've seen come through the NFL. Um, and one of them is still playing that just got a massive contract. So for me, I look at it like if we trade Chris Jones, if I'm if I'm thinking logically, if I'm Brett Beach, if I'm putting my Brett Beach Ve- mask on, how does Chris Jones affect my defense? What what do we lose by losing him? And in all reality, I don't think it's as much as people would think. Like if you ask most Chiefs fans, they say, "Oh, it just takes our defense down a, like ten pegs." I guess two. I guess two pegs because you still have. A young core of defensive tackles that we are still wondering, Tershawn Wharton, all of these uh uh I'm losing all of their names now. Um, when I tried to say them while I was going through, I was like blanked on them. But we still have we have a core of defensive tackles, and we've seen that it's easy to get defensive tackles. We traded for one last year, didn't turn out, but it's relatively easy to get defensive tackles as well. So I think I don't think. If you if you saw you, I think your reaction, or at least my reaction, maybe I think your probably would be, man, that sucks. I like Chris Jones. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a a knee-jerk as much of, oh, our defense is terrible now.
0: Right. And I think that this conversation helps because I think the problem with the Tyree Kill conversation when it happened for Chiefs fans was no one saw it coming. I mean. There are, there are reporters who said they didn't see it coming. I've listened to a couple of podcasts with Matt Verderam, a fan-sided. He does a couple of podcasts. One's an NFL podcast called Stack in the Box. And then he also does one <clears throat> for Arrowhead Addict. And both of them, he's like, I never heard anything. He's like, normally I get a whiff of something, didn't hear anything about Tyree Kill. And we were hoping that you'd get multiple firsts back for a guy like Tyreek Hill, not factoring in, again, age, point of his career, the contract you're going to have to give up, et cetera, et cetera. We, we now, because Beach has given us the blueprint, have an idea of, okay, we need to mentally prepare that when guys come up for a third contract, to your point earlier in the podcast, we need to be ready that they might move on. And, and whether we want them to or not, I mean, There's not a Chiefs fan alive who doesn't love Chris Jones that I know of. I mean, I haven't talked to him yet anyway. And it will suck not having Chris Jones as a Chief. But I think being able to emotionally and mentally prepare and know that, okay, we've seen what we all thought the conversation was going to be for Tyreek and it didn't happen. And it still worked out. And to your point, if it comes down two pegs for one year, but then the next year you jump up five, because whatever picks turn out to hit, you can use that money to go sign a top-end free agent the way you did with like a Tyron Matthew at a position of need. And all of a sudden your team as a whole jumps up. I think that's where it's a win. Because I agree, I, I do think the one time that I, I absolutely remember Chris Jones being an absolute monster when you needed him to be a monster was against Cleveland in game one. When you needed to get a stop and you needed a sack he got it. He had a, he had, I think three in that game. Yeah. And that's, and that's the last time I remember that big moment. Chris Jones was the guy. Yeah. So that's, that's
1: my whole point of is Chris Jones is if Chris Jones could, could be 90%, 85% of Chris Jones, every single game, this conversation is so much different for me, but it's the fact that we get game one, Oh my God, Chris Jones is he—he's one B to the end of the conversation. Whereas Chris Jones is not even close to Aaron Donald, like so that—that's where that's the problem I have with Chris Jones is, and I, again, it, it could be that he doesn't have the supporting cast that Aaron Donald has. He does, there's lots of factors that go into it, but the fact that there's that question that oh he—he's—he fluctuates so much just tells me that he's not a. As game changing of a player as that, such a game changing player that it it would ruin our team to trade him. I, I keep joking. I think we I don't even remember when we brought it up, but if we have any uh, any visual design people that listen to the podcast, I need you to make a, a, a Chiefs Mandalorian where now Veach is the armorer. And it's this is the way, and it's just trading away players, like making them into Vescar armor for for Patrick Mahomes, like just (laughs) this is the way, (laughs) creating the the Mandalorian, (laughs) creating it's actually
0: creating the little little vest, little the shirt for baby, (laughs) but baby baby Groot is 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 Patrick Mahomes, yeah. So this is
1: the way, and creating creating armor for Patrick Mahomes, creating his weapons because. Like I said, I think I think we get stuck with this. It, it, it's easy to do it. I mean, we we are all fans of of the Chiefs, and and we have our favorite players, and we we trade them away, and we get crushed, or we have players that we want to come back, and it just never works. Priest Holmes, Eric Berry, like we we pray that they can do what they did, and they never do. And Chris Jones is, is a is a fan favorite. There's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, I think. Veach showed this year, and I think he's progressed to it as, as we continue to talk about his development as a GM, that he's not sticking to he, he is not a hundred percent Patriots, but it, it's that you can't sacrifice the betterment of the team for fan favorite players. And when you and I think identifying when the best point to trade a player is one of the the hardest things we see in as a GM is like when when do you cut ties with him? When is it – because, like, a, you do it – again, it's that gamble. You do it a year early, and you get half the compensation. You wait two years late, and you get nothing. And I think Chris Jones is, is really at that point where the tip – the scale, like, yes, you could gamble. You could get five more years out of Chris Jones, like I said, and your beach looks like a genius. But the the likelihood – more the more likely characteristic or possibility is – we pay Chris Jones a lot of money and he just starts to go down the tank or just continues down to not mediocrity, but just being good on occasion.
0: <laughs> Emphasize your point. The thing that came to me is, you know, we talk about not remembering when Chris Jones has made a play. He didn't have a, uh, a sack in the playoffs yet, still has it in his career. Um, and our, our the lasting image is Chris Jones missing a sack on Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow making a play versus Aaron Donald on the last play of the Super Bowl, Sean McVay on the sideline puts his hands on his knees, looks up and says, Aaron Donald is going to make a play. And the audio is out there. You should go find it. It's yes. awesome. Sean McVay says, Aaron Donald's going to make a play. Aaron Donald eviscerates the guard in front of him and goes, and he doesn't get the sack because Burrow does technically get the ball away, but he wraps him up to the point where Burrow can't f- actually throw the ball. And, and that was the play that...
1: Won the Rams Super Bowl. I mean, yep. like, so yeah. I, I think the the conversation of of Chris Jones. It'll it'll be an interesting interesting offseason this next year if if it gets to that point. Because again, he is one of those players. I think they if they do decide to to wrap him up and and get him in a contract, I imagine they'll try to. Well, say that I imagine we just had that conversation where Beach likes to wait till the very last minute to do it. But but he is like it, it's. I don't know. I I'm honestly a lot more comfortable moving away from Chris Jones. And I have been with a lot of players. Like if we were having this same conversation about Travis Kelsey, and this may be the fandom coming out of me that I'm more a fan of Kelsey <laughs> than Chris Jones. But like, I just like Kelsey does more. Like he, he impacts the game more than Chris Jones does. And so like, it, it, so yeah, it's, I think the, it it'll be interesting, interesting, especially with with this contract, and that goes for every defensive lineman. Like what, like what this Aaron Aaron Donald contract is going to do? Because yeah, everyone's gonna gonna want that money, and no one's gonna get it. <laughs>
0: so. All right, everybody, that's gonna do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us as always, each and every week. Next week, we should be back in full force. We'll see if Jacob decides to come home or if he decides to uh, extend the vacation another the week. Until then, y'all stay safe out there. We will talk to you next week.